This is a more than just podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the More Than Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. Hello. Alrighty, so we're back. We're back because Apple had another announcement, and so we're going to cover that today. Um, and just before I, I have one thing in fact check. So if you were lucky enough to hear episode 371... Uh, I did mention that I have Google Glass here, but I don't have Google Glass. I actually have Google Cardboard. That's my the the VR uh, experience that I have using my phone uh, to replicate, you know, binaural, binaural video. And uh, yeah, so unfortunately that we had to unpublish that episode. So if you were lucky enough to see it, consider yourself, give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, so uh, yeah, this first article here in the follow-up is uh, it says basically Apple's unusual headset design has led to unprecedented production challenges. This is a story going back to a few months ago. Does that look like May? May thirty-first? How could that be? Doesn't every new design lead to unprecedented production challenges? <laughs> well, th- that's a good point, Mark. Yeah, this is May thirty-first. This article came out, and it's talking about the uh, the fact that Apple. Um, I think this is the one, the story about the LCD screens, right? Um, I think we've talked about this before, that uh, the inability for the manufacturers to make enough um, of these OLED displays for... I don't know. I found this article to be very clickbaity. I mean, it's they're not really saying there's any problems. They're just saying it's hard. <laughs> well, of Jones. course it's hard. It's new. It's new. It's hard. If it weren't hard, somebody would have done it already. Well, this is this is not the article I was thinking about. The article I was thinking about was um, that I had heard that, and we talked about this before, that they um, they can apparently only produce about four hundred thousand of these units because they can because Samsung or whoever's making the displays for them can only commit to making eight hundred thousand. They need one for each eye, right? So yeah. Anyway, but I'm you know Apple's been working on curved device. This talks about the curved motherboard, and Apple's been working on curved. Um, screens and things for quite a while now according to if you believe all the rumors you hear right so and and it's not unprecedented unprecedented things like that mark right like building a, a like a logic board on a curve on a curve i mean well you know what i mean like like normally a, an ic board like a you know the green boards are flat right and they're they're imaged with you know with the light and they make the copper traces and stuff like that right yeah, well, and then you saw. You I mean, put the pieces on the solder them on, right? But yeah, yeah, they kind of don't use those as much anymore. Right? They're a little bit more sophisticated and sort of smaller things. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know, making on a curve. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's going to be harder, but <laughs> I don't know. Seems like I, I don't think that you know the the companies like Foxconn are going to sign on unless it's doable. So well. You know, they had to build special theaters and projectors to show Oppenheimer IMAX on 70 millimeter, right? So they did right. that. Yeah, so. right. And they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You do what you got to do. All right. And this next one, next story here is kind of interesting. Um, uh, talks about uh, how uh, this leak, I'm doing air quotes here, on how Apple's going to uh, roll out the headset. Um, I don't know if there's any secrety stuff that's in here, like the fact that you're going to have to go to the store and get fitted for it. I mean, that to me makes sense, right? Um, 
why that why and they did that with the watch too like why would why wouldn't you expect that there would be sort of a especially for something with a price point like this why wouldn't you expect some sort of personalized you know service right it does i, I remember the watch having some sort of printout that was full size i don't know if that was official or if it was something that you know somebody in the community created and i do remember being one of the people who was like hey let me print this out it's a one to one thing and then see which size i should probably buy for the band yeah, that was an Apple. Apple. Apple provided that information, right? But yeah, they provided that PDF because it's been a while, and I can't recall the details. Yeah, but I do remember when the watch first came out. Don't you remember the 1.0? You had to you you had to go into a store to buy them. I don't think believe they were available like ad hoc, right? I mean, I got one. No, no actually, that's true. That's not true because I did get one delivered to my door. So because I also then I also got the developer one too, right? So I ended up with two Apple watches at, at launch. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, this is like, you know, this is like you're dealing with people's vision and, and their prescriptions and stuff like that. It's obviously going to have to be a little bit of kid glove treatment, you would think, right? And and people are dropping 3000 bucks for this thing. And there's there's not going to be that many people doing it. So I think, yeah, having the in-person thing just, it, it adds to the hype. It adds to the mystique a little bit. It adds to the the uh, the feeling of... I actually bought something of substance for the people who do do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure it's not like intentionally hyped up. It might be. I also think it gives you some real world opportunity to do some measurements too, right? Because when it's $3,500, not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. An inconvenience perhaps, but to Mark's point, you know, you're buying like, you know, you're buying like an engagement ring. It starts at that class, right? You know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And yet I bet they'll probably do some interesting stuff with, you know, taking some of the measurements like, okay, well, we thought this person was going to like this size. What did they end up with? And then you do that at scale of like, how did we do? And then you have an app or something that's like, oh, it's just going to scan your face and figure out like, yeah, you're like... 80% chance sure that you're going to need this particular size, right? Like those, you know, glasses. They should, they should license that technology from, uh, what was that startup that people we knew were oh, at? Greg and yeah. yeah, Greg worked at. Um, yeah. I don't remember the name, but that's exactly what I was thinking of. Mark. Yeah. Like if you take that and do whatever it is that is necessary for the modern era with what the vision pro would need. I think that's how you end up scaling it when eventually this device is like, $350 instead of 349 sorry, uh, 3499 Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like, Carol um, makes hats for a living, right? And and uh, when you buy hats, like, you have to know the size. It's not like buying a baseball hat. Like, you go to a baseball hat and you got that janky plastic thing on the back with the little nubs or, or you got the one-size-fits-all with the, with the elastics, right? But if you buy a proper fedora, you have to, you have, to have your head sized, right? Um, and they're because Carol's head is smaller than my head, for example, right? So I can't wear her hats, and you know she looks silly wearing mine, right? So I think that's the the you know the human head is is not you know a, a, it's a, a standard shape, but it's not uniform, right? It's not like a wrist. A wrist is just like a two dimensional wrap, right? So they can they can you know you can buy a watch band of X size or whatever. But I think I think that's why I think they probably need to have a little bit more pay a little bit more attention to to fitting these things for people, right? So we're here uh, this week to talk about our main event, which is Apple's main event, which just went by, which was the Wonderlust uh, announcement and uh, everybody kind of speculating on the sort of dissolving, disintegrating, 
you know, almost like the snapping um, illustrations that they had out there. Um, this was back on September 12th, for those of you driving at home, and they rolled out a bunch of uh, new equipment, and I think we're going to go through, as we usually do, one one at a time and sort of talk about them. Is that correct, guys? Yeah, probably, uh, you know, did you buy? Because as we record here, it's a... The, the Friday in which it first became possible to to purchase, should you decide to do well, so? No spoilers. Let's let's save that. Let's let's not spoil that one. So we'll start off with the, the uh, Apple Watch Series Nine, which is no surprise to people. I don't think um, the S Nine chip is that new. That is that like a new system on a chip thing? Yeah. So this is the well. Let's let's ask let's ask Dr. Mark Rubin here, the, uh, the SIP and SOC. Can you describe those for dummies like me who can certainly Google the, the, the acronyms, but like, what does it actually mean in some explain it like I'm five sort of way? <laughs> you should have asked me to prepare before that. Cause now I gotta go look it up. <laughs> well, SOC is system on a trip. I'm not, I don't know what SI, what is SIP? Is that what they're saying it is? Yeah. The S nine SIP. Well, I thought I wrote it down. Somewhere. IP is probably, it's like system and package or something, I think. Oh, system and package. Oh, that's, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so, well, it used to be that um, you'd make a piece of silicon and, you know, it'd be like a few millimeters on the side and you'd drop it in a package and kind of have little wires that would go from the side of the package and they'd solder it onto the chip. That was the real old days. Then they got to more sophisticated mm-hmm. stuff where they used like these things called ball grid arrays where the, where the, the, the chip would just kind of drop onto the surface of the package and there'd be all these little contact points and it would just be precisely aligned so it would uh, so it would precisely connect. Um, but then then they started to get more sophisticated where uh, you have multiple chips and I'll put them all inside one package and that's probably what they mean by system in a package as opposed to system on a chip. System on a chip is you got your your CPU, you got your memory, you got maybe your 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 Wi-Fi radio, uh, lots of other things, um, maybe your video RAM, whatever, all integrated onto a single piece of silicon, a single chip, and and then you probably use one of these ball grids to do to to package it up. Well, you know, if if you don't if you don't have the full everything on that single chip, you still need multiple chips, and you could put them in multiple packages and then connect them on a PC board, like you were talking about earlier, but but it's going to take up less space and it's going to make it a probably better for performing thing if you take all these little chips and all include them all inside one package and then you know have the connections between them are probably built into the package, so you don't need wires, but you just try kind of drop them into the right spot and then there's some there's some metal can interconnects in the package itself that are going to going to connect to each chip chip to each other that's what i think that is i found an article that talks about a bit about you know the the benefits to end users faster app loading because the enhanced cpu gpu speeds translate faster um looks like the ultra wide chip is also within that package as well yeah so the ultra wideband is the wi-fi radio yeah 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 no more accurate health monitoring precision tracking um well none of that stuff has to do with the chip I mean, it does. No, I know, but it does because things... that's what the chip is doing. But it's not nothing to do with chip technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny in all these articles, nobody ever steps out and says what SIP stands for. <laughs> they're all talking. They're all just regurgitating, regurgitating what they've been given by Apple. All right, um, back to the list. Well, I mean, this was kind of um, 
a nice way to start, I think, because you have, you know, cool stuff like, hey, you're you're going to have on-device Siri, right? This this S9 SIP lets them do some interesting things and brings, um, might not say, health kit stuff to Siri on the watch, right? So besides being, you know, faster for all sorts of stuff you'd want, it's also like logging medications, weight, uh, doing this in English and Mandarin. Uh, that seemed really cool to me. It's like, you know, legitimate um, quality of life additions from the hardware that aren't just, oh, yeah, well... You could do it before. It's like, yeah, but you you want it to be good, and you want to make sure it still maintains that you know as much on device as possible privacy stance that they've been going with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they also the promise of an all day battery. I mean, uh, do you, you wear a watch, right, Jaime? Mm-hmm. Do you get like an app? Like, do you find how do you find your battery life is like after a few years of using the watch? Boy, I actually don't remember which version I have. I'm going to have to look that up to make sure. Uh, the six, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it, oh wow, your memory is better than mine on my own device. Um, but it's it's pretty good. I don't have any complaints. Uh, now, granted, I haven't like you know had the most athletic life of like oh let me just go out for this like long run or this long uh, cycling tour or something with it. I think that's where folks might want uh, an ultra for that extra sort of beefiness but um i never have to panic or worry like oh no even on a long day um i don't have to try to remember to like you know charge it in the middle of the day or worry that i'm gonna lose my watch or have it throw it into low power mode or something yeah so i i had to my 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 series four i think i had um i would often run out of juice like by eight o'clock at night kind of thing but i now have the ultra the original ultra one um and it lasts pretty much two days right like i can go two days i can wear it at night you know as well and i'm also doing you know cycling and outdoor working out so the the battery in the in the ultra is is really nice like it lasts a long time but um i find with my phone and and uh my watch like my iphone 14 pro i sometimes can't get through the day without having to charge it for some reason i have Mm -hmm. no idea what's going on with it but and it's still like Great. So when it, whenever I read, you know, the marketing slogan says all day battery, I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> well, what apps are you running? Are you running some apps that burn through, burn through I, power? Mark, I seriously, I have no clue. Like it, it doesn't matter. Even if I don't use the phone during the day, it just, it just drains away. And, and it doesn't matter what, what you try and figure out. It, you go into the app usage and there's, there's no rhyme, no reason to it at all. But uh, yeah. And it's like about a year old, right? So go figure. So the devices finally did come up. So you're right. It is an Apple Watch Series 6 that I have. Uh, GPS, non-cellular, again, because I'm not away from my phone uh, out doing a run or that sort of thing. Um, So it it works pretty well for me. Um, I think, you know, folks will definitely be interested in stuff like the, um, the, the higher nits. So, you know, being able to see these devices and, and we'll talk about the other one too. Um, you know, much more clearly in shining sunshine. Sure, yeah. Um, Th- this one had the high nit- higher nits too, as well. It, I believe it. I believe it does because it. I mean, unless it was before, like two thousand or something like that. I two thousand is what, what the yeah. the series nine uh, sort of regular one has. Um, it goes all the way down to one nit, so that's kind of a real wild. Like you know, think about the power savings you can get out of being able to drop down when you don't need brightness and. Seeing things like the uh, the new gesture, which I think a lot of people online have said, yeah, it kind of reminds me of some of the gestures that you would do with the Vision Pro. Right. Yep. Well, I'm sure that's intentional. 100% intentional. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Like like I I went into the, uh, it's it's already on your phone now. You can go into accessibility and you can go in and, and turn on the haptic or what do you call it? Um, it's not haptic. It's um, but you can turn on the gestures. I've been doing them on on my my watch for months, but but now they're bringing. I forget that somebody somebody uh, used a term the other day, which I can't remember what it was, but bringing it to like you know all the time, kind of on right kind of thing. Or to the mainstream rather than just an accessibility feature, but yeah, I, I 100% started the uh, started using the the gestures to um, to basically get my brain trained for Vision Pro. To be honest with you, mm, no. um, that was my intention. But yeah, 100%, 100% makes sense. It's the same gesture, and what's cool about it is is I was trying to figure out how it does it. Like, is it is it you know the gesture you make with or the vibrations in your arm? But apparently, it's minute changes in blood flow is how they they figure out what you're doing with your wrist, which is cool. Yeah, I, I would have guessed that uh, you would be using sensor fusion to try to figure out, you know, is the watch vibrating in some sort of or moving in space in some way? Does it seem to match some general pattern? And then to not have it be, you know, I'm doing other stuff, does it seem intentional? Um, I think that's why some folks said that, like, you really had to, to make the gesture. You couldn't just, like... It'll baby it like you're picking up a piece of popcorn. You kind of have to be like you were crushing a bug in your finger, kind of thing. So I heard some people those. Well, that's what people were saying, and I think that's because it, unlike the Vision Pro, it can't see what you're doing. And the Vision Pro that. doesn't see what you're doing either. You can put your hand behind your back, and they'll still know you're doing a tap. Oh, really? I thought that's why it had the down-facing cameras. Yeah, that I mean that that sounds pretty hard to believe. You could get it on the you could get that on the watch, right? Because the wrist, the watch is on your wrist. It's very close to the fingers, and and I could be picking up the. I mean, it's clearly not detecting anything specifically about your blood, but it could be picking up uh, vibration, vibration from your blood flow, and it's just doing some kind of a spectrum analysis of of the of the the vibration signal and and looking for that. But it's pretty hard to believe that the Vision Pro could do that. The the feature on accessibility is called assistive touch, and if you go in there, there's actually four. There's a, you can customize the settings, right? But there's there's a pinch, there's a double pinch, there's a clench where you close your fist, like in, or close your hand into a fist, and the double clench where you do it twice, right? And so to maneuver uh, assistive touch commands, use the pinch gesture to sort of scroll through options, the double pinch to go backwards. And the clench is kind of like, okay, so that's it's a little different than what they showed. They're, they're showing here that, you know, when you roll your wrist over, it's going to say, hey, this button is highlighted, you know, and then you do a pinch and it, and it acts as if, as if you, you've tapped it. So that's with your, that's with your phone, the accessibility stuff? That's no, no, this is on the watch. This is on the watch. Oh. On the watch. Yeah. This call, it's called assistive. Well, I thought you were saying it, you can do this today with your phone because you just turn on accessibility. Yeah, well, you can do it. You can do it on your, no, I'm talking about my watch. You can do it. I can do it today on my watch. Right. Okay. So this, we're talking about the Apple, the the Series Nine watch. They're making, they're bringing this feature to everybody all the time, kind of thing. Like you know, uh, so I'm, I wish I could remember the name, the, the terminology the other guy used, but it's kind of like it's bringing it to the mainstream. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's not the same as assistive touch. It's just it's just a double tap kind of gesture thing that they're adding, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but if you wanted to try it, what I'm saying is, for those of you driving home, if you want to try it today, you have an Apple Watch. Go into accessibility. Go to assistive touch and you can turn it on and try it out. I've been doing it for months, right? So, and it's handy. Like if I'm riding my bike or, you know, I'm busy walking the dog and I, you know, don't want to, because before I used to just tap with my nose. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but yeah, but you can definitely do that today. 
And I think there are some, no, I say that there probably are some, there are some assistive touches on um, the phone. Like you can tap the back of your phone and turn that on to like a, a feature, right? Yeah. Well, that's definitely going to be vibration, of course. Yeah. I mean, I guess, it's, you know, I guess it's possible when you, when you tap your fingers together, I mean, you're setting up a vibration that to some degree goes throughout your entire body. So I guess if you have this thing sitting on your head and there's a lot of touch points to your head of this thing, uh, was, I mean, obviously with the watch, it, it makes complete sense. But with the anyway, the guy who was presenting, and I don't forget his name, but he's the watch guy at, at Apple. He said it's, it detects minute changes in blood flow. Is what he is what he said when he presented the feature in the talk. Sure, but like as addition, yeah. But but there's going to be some mechanism that that gets transmitted to the to the watch, right? The the watch isn't plugged into your bloodstream. It's not your blood isn't flowing through the watch, <laughs> right? I'm just saying what he said. You got to you got to believe what the guy from Apple said. I get no. That's so what, rule, right? what what I'm getting at is like I do not believe it is the only thing that they're doing. Oh, I yeah, do believe course. it is in a sensor fusion of like let's take what the accelerometer is telling us. Let's take what the um, uh, the the uh, blood flow sensor, the, the O2 sensors and stuff are are looking at in combination, not just like, oh, through this one weird trick, here's what we were able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also got the, uh, I didn't write down the name of the, the ultra wideband uh, revved version that lets them do the precision finding for iPhone that they showed off. Yeah, they just called it ultra wide chip, but I did, I thought I wrote it down. I'm pretty sure they said a number or name of some sort besides just, yeah. But you know, I've got S nine S nine SIP. I don't know, but that's the that's the main chip, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's the same chip that goes into the Ultra, which we'll talk about in a minute too. Oh, sorry, I thought I'd written it down. I didn't. So colors, right? I mean, I didn't take any notes on the uh, on the colors. It did seem like the colors <laughs> that they had were kind of more on the pastel well, side. I wrote them down. So you wrote them down. Pink, you wrote them the actual names: pink, starlight, red, or, or the you know the product red color, and space gray. And Jaime and I were talking about before this whether Starlight was named for the character from The Boys or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't going to talk about the Mother Nature commercial thing they did in the middle. Did you guys want to talk about that or not? Yeah. But, I mean, it was cute. It was nice. There was a video about yeah. how, how 100% clean and carbon, carbon neutral and they're, they're way ahead of their um, expected. Uh, they were supposed to have it done by 2030, I think, and they're ahead in, in a lot of ways. Shipping was by ocean rather than air which reduces their uh, emissions by 90%. And they're planting forests in savannas. Yeah, I think, you know, they've certainly covered this sort of material before. um, And it is material that I tend to kind of zone out and then just go read the update of like, what did they say? Oh, okay, Uh, 100% recycled cobalt on the battery. And uh, and in this case, uh, no more leather in any product, including the watch bands. Like, I see what they were attempting to do to turn it into sort of like a skit of like, make it somewhat more entertaining i think if it was maybe half as long and just a little bit tighter it would have landed a little bit better for me but right um that's not to discredit the work that they're doing i think this is something that every other manufacturer should just get absolutely pummeled on um because it's apple of course they were like oh well blah 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 here's why you know if you analyze it from this unreasonable jerk perspective <laughs> here's why oh it's, it's actually nothing it's like no it's actually not um i mean by comparison every other competitor i'm gonna assume is like taking shards of glass and shoving them directly into the the mouths of baby seals by comparison <laughs> <laughs> you know if you're gonna use the apple standard on everybody else who doesn't meet that standard um uh it I don't know. I I think for the next time, 
you know, I would like to see them tighten that up a little bit. And it makes it a little bit more fun than just like listening to whoever it is on the top of the uh, Apple Park building. Talk about this stuff, making it a little bit more of a show and even addressing some of the criticisms where Mother Nature is like, oh, sure. So you're going to do this thing. But it's going to be like in the year 2525, if man is still alive, if woman can survive and have no accountability. It's like, no, actually, we're on schedule to do this. Like, I think that was... I don't know. It, it kind of reminded me of some of those like uh, little HR plays that they put together to try to make the, the material a little bit more interesting that they're required to give you. Um, but it wasn't wasn't great. wasn't bad. But I, I give well, a I felt awful because I thought that's the kind of thing you would never say to a customer in a boardroom meeting. Like you would never you'd never like, you know, step on the, the CEO's toes and, and jump in with, well, you're wrong, as a matter of fact. That's kind of a Sheldon-y thing to do. But anyway, I did, for the sake of science, I did write down the high points so I can just rattle them off real quick for you, Jaime, once to, to spend any more time on it. So 100% recycled aluminum and gold in the watches, uh, recycled cobalt in the batteries, recycled wool, wool in the bands. Uh, Apple Watch is 100% clean manufactured in terms of energy. Apple will match their energy use by reinvesting in green energies. Uh, 78% decrease in their carbon footprint. And the so that makes the Apple Watch 9 fully carbon neutral. And like you said, no more leather. They've come up with this fabric called fine woven, which is pseudo leathery kind of look. So that's another environmentally friendly uh, aspect, too. I don't know what, yeah, this is fi- fine woven would be the bands, I guess, right? Instead of leather bands. It seems like they had the, uh, the, leftover bands of like hey these bands that didn't sell this year just throw them yeah. into the wood chipper grind them up and grind them yeah up. and just like you have you know recycled materials that have other things of like hey this uh this road asphalt used to be tires um this particle board that you're looking at used to be other pieces of wood or a cardboard similar thing we uh kind of interesting to see them do that and i am kind of interested to have people wear those for a while like like does it get itchy is it like wool or is it just like just you can't even tell the difference between that and something that was completely 100 percent net new material mm-hmm. okay and then um so the next item they introduced was the um the uh ultra sorry i'm just arguing with my phone here um the ultra 2 right again with this the s9 sip double tap gesture on device siri did they talk about on device siri with the first one because they talked about it specifically here and again the same ultra band they talked about it with the um the the series nine watch and then continued into things like the the 3000 nits for outdoor viewing yeah and again all these these both of these devices will be available september 22nd so i guess you can order them today is that correct twenty second is next friday right i i believe that was correct yeah cool and while we, I mean, we don't spend a lot of time on the Ultra. It's, it, the only thing about the only difference, I guess, is that now the action button can be programmed to do multiple things as opposed to just uh, one thing is what it does today. Like mine opens a workout. So you can um, do multiple things with the, with the action button, which is which is nice. It's needed. So hopefully that'll come as an upgrade to the people who bought the original Ultras as well. They did have Hermes bands, but I, I'm never really turned on about talking about Hermes bands. I don't know about you. Hermes bands, I mean. Um so the other device that they that I think significant to us is the introduction of the iPhone 15, uh, which is the consumer level iPhone. Um, it gets Dynamic Island this time around, um, 2,000 nits of brightness on the the display, and in the same size as as the the last year's 6.1 inch and 6.7 inch for the for the Max, right? Um, 
and the contoured contoured edges now uh color infused glass so if you have a pink the pink back it has the pink glass pink color infused into the glass all the way through and the back is polished with nano crystal so it's not it's not a glossy back anymore now it's sort of a matte back i think right and again they went through the whole recycling of uh, 75% recycled body you know 100% re- recycled cobalt in the battery again and they've ad- they've added the 48 megapixel camera to the 15 i don't think they had the 48 on the 14 plain old 14 right and they also they're using computational photography to you know have richer depth and color and things like that as well yeah it's a 24 megapixel photo mixed with it captures of light and and color right and there's a 2x telephoto lens two yeah 2x telephoto option um, with a f f stop of 1.6 so yeah do you want to jump in with anything i can just keep going keep rattling off the features i mean the 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 thing i would say yeah certainly some nice upgrades here i think the the biggest news that had been you know sort of pre-confirmed going into the the event was usbc right like i think that's oh yes got almost certainly uh gonna end up with a huge bump of of orders this year where people who might have been holding off because of the usbc has been rumored for a few years and this year it finally happened so just you know catching up on all that pent-up demand is what my prediction will be for when they come up with the uh, the quarterly results for this. But what's going to ha- what's going to happen to all the people who are still using those little uh, dongles to convert their headphones to a lightning? Well, now they need a dongle, now they need a dongle, different dongle. Right? <laughs> dongle. It's already 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 been announced, right? So and in fact the little 19-inch earbuds that you can buy, $19 earbuds that you can buy are now USB-C as well. The thing about the USB-C though is it it's USB 2 in most cases and it's no not faster than the lightning port. Like it doesn't, you don't get any faster charging or anything like that. Having gone to USB C, it's just to keep you know the the it's a regulator the thing. standards it's, people yeah, are happy. Not, right? the yeah. Are yeah, it might actually be a bad thing because you know it it stifles innovation in some way. If you if you're required to have this particular standard, you can't put in anything better. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of what the lightning was initially. Right. Lightning was better than the thirty-two pin and. Yeah, but, but lightning was lightning before USB C. Like, was that a technology? USB C existed, but yeah, but no one was talking about it for the iPhone at the time. And there are two speeds to USB C beyond two. There's a USB C three standard, and there's also the Thunderbolt standard, which I think we're, is it called USB four? I don't know what it is, but Thunderbolt. You know, the Thunderbolt transfer that we have on the Pro Max. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we're not getting that either. So. And the, the other thing that I think is kind of a, kind of an interesting thing on the fourteen or the uh, the fifteen is it still has the A sixteen Bionic chip, which is the same as last year's fourteen Pro. So, but that's typical, right? the The lower end model usually gets the chip from the higher end one from the year before. That's yeah, that's pretty typical. Yeah, I, I don't recall them doing that before, but yeah. And and one thing they talk about just I just made a note of it: live voice from mail transcription. I'm not sure what that means, but or what to use that for. Again, they're saying all-day battery life, right? The feature from iOS 17 that we we heard about in the name drop thing, where it's like the bump using NFC to to transfer contact information from one phone to the other. Um, again, ultra wide band chip, so you can do the Find My Find Find My is now built into the device. I guess it before it used to have to go somehow to the internet or something like that. Find My. You just gave me a good idea for an app, Tim. I'm wondering if I should say it because maybe someone will steal it, but. I don't say it. Save it. Save it for later. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Or say it. Say uh-huh. it. I don't know. 
We can always cut it out if we think it's a great idea. Uh, How about an (laughs) app that you train it with all your friends' voices? So whenever you get an email from your friend, it'll read it to you in their voice. (laughs) Kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you did you listen to that? Uh, I, I played around with iOS 17 on my iPad here, and I made a. Uh, a you have to read 150 strings, so I read them into my into my iPad, and then it generated a voice for me, which sounds like me, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't because the intonation's wrong, and you yeah, know, like because you're reading these these 150 random things, and you're not if you don't put the right emphasis on the right syllable. You know, then you won't, it doesn't, doesn't quite sound like me. So I actually did the introduction to more than just code and threw it up on our Slack and had people listen to it. So maybe yeah. I'll introduce this, this episode with it. <laughs> and intentionally yeah. have it mess up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't sound like me. Like it, like it, it's my voice. You no, can hear I mean, it the same time. by mess up, I mean, stumble. Oh, make a mistake. Oh yeah, yeah. I could do that too. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. I'll do that for you, Mark, especially. Thanks. Um, Find my find by find my by satellite is coming to fourteen countries. I don't know if it was in some countries now, um, but it, I think find my by satellite is a new feature building on top of the emergency SOS thing that they had, right? Yeah, it, it did seem like that was kind of a nice evolution of the the uh, last year's feature. And the road roadside assistance by satellite is also a new feature that they've added here, right? Uh, so you can get you can text a message to roadside assistance and they'll call you back and that's with the um, a, the a a triple a or triple a I don't know what you guys call triple a in uh, the U S it is triple a the Automobile Association of America yeah we call it CAA here Canada Automobile Association but mm-hmm. yeah and it's free for two years these things are free for two years with the with the purchase of an iPhone 15 so no idea what's going to happen after the fact right. Um, also, the the USB C 2.0, which I talked about before, is also coming to the AirPods Pro and the AirPods, the, uh, the AirPods themselves, the cabled ones, right? And as well, it's still got MagSafe and all the MagSafe accessories, and the fine and and the cases are in fine woven, the same material that we talked about that's replacing the leather. So, in two years, you won't actually need the AAA thing or the roadside assistance thing because. Because or you're dead. You're never, never going to leave your house. You're just going to plug into your Vision Pro, sit on your couch all day long. You're basically, you'll be in the matrix. You never have to leave your house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Apple will recycle the energy from your from your um, body. And yeah, we'll all be in the matrix. For sure, we'll be copper tops. Yeah. Uh, the pricing, $7.99 US dollars and $8.99 for the plus are the entry points. I don't remember. Somebody mentioned something about the sizes of these things, like the... Memory size? Did they raise the minimum to um, two fifty six? You guys, do you guys recall for the the storage? You mean? Yeah. Uh, no, the iPhone fifteen. We're talking about that one. Starts at seven ninety nine for one hundred twenty eight gigabytes. The iPhone fifteen okay. plus starts at eight ninety nine for one hundred twenty eight gigabytes. Yeah, those are USD prices. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we have 15 Pro, which we'll talk about in a minute. We have the 15, the 14 still available, 13 still available, the SE still available. What is going on with the 14? Or is it, they're going to get rid of those? They didn't say they were going to get rid of them at all, did they? No, I mean, if you want to talk pricing across that, since you've jumped ahead, continuing the how much money do you have, there's your model. The iPhone SE starts at 429 iPhone 13 at 599 iPhone 14 at 699, iPhone 15 at 799, and the iPhone 15 Pro at 999 US. 
So there's not exactly a uh, you know hundred dollar jump. There's a two hundred dollar jump between the fifteen and the fifteen Pro, and there is a um, it's like a hundred and seventy dollar jump from the SE to the thirteen. But they've got pretty good coverage. Like you know that's where they start. You can go higher um, and have them overlap a bit. And I think that the entry point for, we talked about this yesterday on Spotcast, but the entry price point for the Pro, 15 Pro, which we're going to get to in a minute, um, is $999 in the US, right? Which would be $1,350 and some change if you converted US to Canadian. But the Canadian phone is another $110 more than that, right? So it's fourteen sixty or something like that for the Canadian version of the iPhone oh, you know, 15 Pro. You're paying a premium for living in an amazing country, Tim. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta, we got to yeah. you know, heat the prime minister's swimming pool and pay for all the upgrades on his house. And yeah, no, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Get it. And we have to, you know, we get to, we get to have our MRIs when we need them, but we have to stand in line for like three years to get it. Yeah, but yeah it's pretty good. Pretty good. Good service. Anyway, what do you want for free? <laughs> So since we're talking about the iPhone 15 Pro, let's just roll into that one. So titanium body now, right? Titanium and aluminum in, um, substructure fused together somehow. And they've still got the same ceramic uh, shield glass on the device. Same sizes, 6, 6.1 for the Pro, 6.7 for the Pro Max. And they're calling it grade 5 titanium. So Apple reinvents titanium again. Mm. Um, <laughs> same alloy used on the Mars rover. Just so you know, so it's made out of recycled Mars rovers. <laughs> just uh, just throw them in the wood chipper when you're done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just costs like a couple of billion dollars to go retrieve that. It was that titanium, yeah. but yeah, yeah, there you go. You got to bring the soil samples back somehow, right? It was already accounted for in the costs. Yeah, and they called it a PVD coating as opposed to anodized. Not not anodized. They specifically said I didn't make a note of what PVD stands for, but and these ones come in black, white natural which is like titanium colored and blue titanium and again the, the aluminum inside is 100 percent recycled i don't know about the titanium maybe it, it's virgin titanium i don't know and and they've added they've changed the um the, the ring silent switch it's no longer a little switch it's now a, that's the first time since the the original iphone it's now an action button so you, again like the like the ultra watch you can program that button to do uh, other things other than just make your you can also make your phone ring and not ring but but you can have you can have it open a workout or whatever you know open photoshop or something i don't know people have been asking for that for years yeah yeah have they get rid of the the, the the switch well not to well i guess okay technically they wanted to use the the volume buttons for other purposes right, right. Well, them from a take pictures yeah 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 right well and if you recall somebody Somebody did that first, and then Apple Sherlock them, and then it became a thing that only Apple can really do, right? You can't do that with your own app. Is that, isn't that right? Yeah. Oh, you mean like somebody had already thought of using it like for the camera button? Yeah, yeah. No, no, somebody did. Yeah, yeah. And then Apple Sherlock them and prevent, somehow prevented them from doing it <laughs> and did it themselves <laughs> early on. Now that was I remember I remember um, Scott Forstall being very proud of the fact that you could use the volume button to... As if, as if Apple had invented it. So, yeah. yep. so it says Pro Display here, and I don't remember what the detail was. Super Retina XDR, is that correct This for this display? Do you remember that, Jaime? I did not write Hold down on. any notes at all about the display, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, I'm sure it's nicer. I'm sure it's, it's got shiny. a fancy, a fancy a pants on it. name um, on it. It's, 
it's it's going to be as good or better than last year's display yeah right i mean oh. that's that's the kicker it, it's really hard you know how, how many years are we past retina from that huge jump um mm. that was know. the iphone 4 i believe retina right probably and uh and the ipad 3 yeah, I mean, it was the first Retina devices. People were we were, were arguing very angrily on the internet whether that was something you could actually perceive if it was meaningful, and that was a much bigger jump than we're seeing now. I think you're looking for, uh, you know, color reproduction, um, quality. You're looking for, I think, arguably performance, not just in like refresh for gaming and stuff that they always want to push the line on, but also for that all-day battery life. You know, can you get as close to like completely off true black as possible to save just a little bit more juice for just a little bit longer. Yeah. And is it all day battery life or is it Tim's version of all day battery life? (laughs) (laughs) We want the, uh, the, the old school indestructible Nokia all day battery life where all day means like the the Blackberry throw your phone across the room and it survives. I want that too. Right. (laughs) I don't know if you remember you throw your Blackberry out the car window and it would survive rolling down the highway. Not that I know people who did that, but I do know people who did that. Um, I'm looking, trying to find out about the specs about this display. I'm not finding anything. I did. We didn't talk about the A17 chip, which is the new chip that's in this guy. And it's actually called A17 Pro as opposed to just A17. This is the first time they've added the Pro name to the chip. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the naming gets kind of interesting on these. So the A17 Pro with a 16 core neural engine that runs at 35 trillion with a T ops per second. So it could have been my, I could have made a mistake. I'm looking here. I did find the display. It's basically a super retina XDR display, um, with, which is an OLED display. So 460 pixel printer. Oh, actually, I wanted to cycle back. So Jaime, you, did you say people said you couldn't perceive whether a retina display was really retina versus what we had before? I'm not saying that all of this was in good faith because again, people tossing stones at Apple just cause. Right. But I don't think all of them were cranks either. Right. I think there were at the time some people who legitimately couldn't perceive whether that was like a physical, emotional or psychological kind of thing. I I can give it the benefit of the doubt, but say definitively that was the biggest jump we've seen for these mobile devices going from non retina to retina and then you know, many, many years hence was like trying to see like, well, it packs slightly more. See, when I put this thing under a microscope, see Apple's coming up short because I put this, <laughs> this Google Pixel 8 Pro and it has like five more per micron of, of like this. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to see that, buddy. Like, I mean, cool. You got to write something for your blog post uh, and, and, and pot Colin Kettleblog. You got to talk about something on your podcast, but clearly, and, and that's why I didn't even write the notes on this one. Cause clearly I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's a nice display. I'm sure it's even better than what I have now. Right. <laughs> more good or more better, more good or more better. Yeah. And, and not more money, which is surprising, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, so now we're going to talk about the A17 Pro in a little bit more detail. So I wrote down three nanometer and we've talked about this every year, uh, about how some, and I put chip, but I know that's the wrong word. It's, it's traces or what do you call the, the little circuit line thingies on the chip mark? Well, uh, they call those, uh, typically interconnects, metal, metal right. interconnects. And so that's three nanometer. And they're saying th- those are 12 silicon apple atoms wide yeah pretty effing small well last year was four nanometers yes yeah and i remember like going back two years ago we 
we were saying pretty much can't go much smaller smaller than five, and here they here we are. It's you can't go much farther. So what they're what they're actually doing uh, for the transistor? So there used to be Moore's law, right? Uh, and and what the reason Moore's law worked so well was that you could just take a regular everyday transistor and just, and there's this one thing called the polysilicon gate. Uh, that the technology used to be determined by the width of that gate. So back in like the 10 micron days or the two micron days or the one micron days, it was the actual width of that gate. And then they kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where um, it wasn't the physical size anymore. They start eventually they started using the electrical size, which was uh, because of there's because there's electric fields leaking around the edges of the gate. The 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 net the effective size of the gate was smaller than the physical size of the gate uh so you might say it was a you know uh let's say 150 nanometer um and and but physically it might be 180 nanometers but but the effective size was 150 so anyway they kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller playing tricks like that they're way beyond the point where they can do that anymore you can't do that anymore so they're coming up with these novel transistor technologies like finfets and things like that uh to get more performance and they still call it they're still calling it the they they call the names of the node the technology node I mean, technically, they it does it is the it is the metal pitch that they're using to name the node. So, yeah, I guess in some sense, it doesn't really matter what the transistors are doing. But, but it used to be that the transistors were scaling. That's where you get most of the performance improvement. Now you don't anymore. I don't know, that's kind of a long-winded thing. That probably didn't tell you anything useful. But you know, that's why I'm here. <laughs> it's really small. I'll, I'll really paraphrase. Small. It's really small. So <laughs> critically, not yeah. an actual measurement anymore the way that it was using an equivalency like we have decided that we're not going to use some completely new nomenclature we're going to use some nomenclature that will still make sense if you look backwards but if you tried to you know pull out your your incredibly small calipers you wouldn't measure it at three nanometers is what i think i understood yeah that's 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 true yeah so so what a nanometer is of course is you have you have a meter Right, and then one one thousandth of a meter is a millimeter, and then one one thousandth of a millimeter is a micrometer, also known as a micron. Okay, and then one one thousandth of a micron is a nanometer. So we're talking about three nanometers. Now it so happens that if you just take an atom, and a hydrogen atom is usually what they use because that's the simplest atom. It's just a single electron and a single proton, and the electron is kind of orbiting in a little cloud around the nucleus, which holds the proton. Um, but if you want to kind of say what the size of that whole atom as kind of a unit is, uh, it's about one angstrom. And a nanometer is 10 angstroms. So a larger atom, like silicon, is going to be bigger than your one angstrom. You know, it's probably going to be around well, I don't know, whatever, whatever numbers, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. So, so that's why, that's why when they say when, you know, the three nanometers, so that's, that's about 30 angstroms, right? And that's X number of silicon atoms. That's kind of the very approximate kind of thing they're saying. It's not really true that they're lining up a bunch of silicon atoms and measuring them. (laughs) It doesn't really work that way, but, but they're saying approximately the size. What's the symbol for silicon? SI. SI? Yep. 
Is it a metal? No, silicon is a semiconductor. Oh, okay. So it's four. It's num. It's number on the periodic table is fourteen. So that means it has fourteen electrons. Is that right? It has fourteen protons. Fourteen protons. And um, a neutral version will also have fourteen electrons. But when you put it into okay. a crystal, well, a silicon crystal actually, yeah, silicon crystal. It's on on average, it's always going to have the same number of electrons as protons. Yes. Cool. Right. Yeah. So moving on. So that A17 chip has six core GPU with two performance and two efficiency cores, six core GPU and 16 core neural engine for all your computational, you know, machine learning stuff and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, and then the cameras, we've got pro camera with again, the 48 megapixel camera again with, but this time with a larger capture chip, which is important. Um, to, and they can do the next generation portraits. Uh, these phones can do, can now do the, instead of having to switch to portrait mode, which came out, I think on the iPhone seven, I heard today, you can do, um, you can take a picture and you can decide to make it a portrait picture in post, right? So after the fact, and I'm going to talk a bit more about that and we get into the articles that we brought to brought along today to talk about as well. Um, and because it's using the LiDAR scanner on the on the back to to help with deciding what's near and far in terms of what's the what's what's in the in the view of your picture. For a zoom point of view, they can do three times like the equivalent of a 70 millimeter telephoto lens. And that's on the uh that's an optical zoom on the 15 Pro. The 15 Max takes it up a notch to five times optical zoom for a 12 megapixel picture, which is really cool. And, and f stop is 2.8, which is kind of low, but not super low. Um, and they've got this new prismic mirror, so they can do uh, the equivalent of a 120 millimeter f- uh, photo telephoto lens. They can, because they're bouncing the light across this little prism four times, I think they said. Tetra, is Tetra four or is that five? Tetra is four. Four. Okay, so they're, they're bouncing it across this, this uh, basically four-sided pir- uh, prism, if you want to call it that. Uh, so they're able to put the equivalent of a 120-millimeter lens, which would be like, you know, really probably 12, 13 inches long, into the the height of uh, the bump on the back of the phone, which is really cool. So, and um, so it goes from macro, because the new, the new lenses can do macro photography, which is like if you're taking a picture of a bee on a flower, that would be like a macro shot up to 10x uh, or 10 times. So in the the ranges are all the way from like macro to thir- from 13 millimeter to 120 millimeter. So 13 millimeter like a big would be like a wide wide angle lens. That's pretty cool in terms of like how far these these uh, crazy cameras have gone on the back of these phones, right? Um, it can shoot 4K 60 frames per second video, which is really amazing, and uses the ACES or Academy Color Excellence system for color matching, which is what uh, Academy Award people have as a standard. And the thing that I think is really kind of cool from my perspective is that it can shoot, using the two cameras on the back of the phone, it can shoot spatial video, which will then become very important on the Vision Pro. And I don't know if you remember the one the one sort of knock that they got about the Vision Pro was the dad at the birthday party wearing the Vision Pro while, you know, filming his kids um, having their you know their birthday party thing and like what was dad doing on your third birthday or your sixth birthday oh i don't know he had his stupid vision pro thing on right um instead of doing that you'll be able to use your 15 pro to film your daughter's birthday party instead of and look like a regular dad with a phone as opposed to this guy wearing his gaming headset right 
No, no chuckles from you guys at all. No. Okay. Cool. I mean, at the time, I felt like the the folks on the internet who were like, "Oh my gosh, it looks so ridiculous!" And like, you didn't grow up with camcorders and super eights and all these other things. That uh, that was definitely the the one parent or the one like aunt or uncle that was really into that sort of stuff. Hundred percent happened. Like we we didn't always have spectacular cameras right at our fingertips, right? Yeah. Well, I can tell you, like, in, in terms of finding pictures of myself as a young young lad, I mean, I've had to search high and low, and I keep coming across things, you know, that, that are in people's photo albums and stuff like that. Whereas, if you look at my grandkids, you know, their entire lives, right from the ultrasound to where they are today, has been photographed and videoed and iPhoned and whatever. I mean, I took a picture of, of Jonathan's two kids with my iPhone when I first got it, sitting on the floor playing with their stuff, and they must be like, you know four and and you know two or something like that right anywho um we talked about pricing before uh 999 or 1599 for the max entry point the max is uh that's what i was talking about before the i think the minimum uh configuration on the max is 256 goes up to one terabyte whereas the 15 pro you can still get it with 128 which is okay if you have uh, icloud because then you can store a lot of stuff in icloud um and they were available for order today. We're recording on September 15th. So this morning at, I think, 5 p.m. PST or PDT, you could order these things and they'll be available next week. And um, so this is the Greg's favorite part of the show when we go around and we talk about who's buying what, when, and how. So, Mark, are you going to pick up a new phone? I don't think so. I have I have a 14 Pro. Uh and I usually do a two-year cycle. There's there's kind of nothing so amazing in this one that I have to have it this year. Yeah. So are you are you on that still on that the Apple upgrade plan? No, thing? no, I don't do that anymore. That was kind of no, kind of useless. Were you were you, was that, were you paying that for that monthly kind of thing or um or is it like a yeah I, I one year one year I paid it monthly yeah yeah but I, I mean it ended up costing more it was it was not. Yeah, same for me. I I went on that payment, the a firm payment plan thing last year. But I mean, in the middle of the year, I just paid it off because I had the money and wasn't really, I didn't really need the financing. Right. How about you, Jaime? What are you thinking about phones or watches? I didn't go with any of the watches. Um, I think certainly they're making nice improvement. It's neat. You've got an older watch, or you've never had a watch before. You might, you know, really enjoy a lot of the upgrades that they had here. Um, for me, I ended up getting a iPhone iPhone 15 Pro, 256 gigabytes, white titanium. Oh, nice! Yeah, you ordered that. Are you getting? Are you getting it like next week? Yes. Yeah, it was a bit of a, a of a hassle today, but the the reason for me is I have a 12 Pro right now. And oh, I specifically wow. waited the extra year for two reasons. At the time, we had a very different um, multi-factor authentication system that was not fun. It required, you know, at work, we like had to get IT involved to, you know, oh, here's the old phone. Hope I don't drop it in the river before the new phone comes and just not lose access to like day-to-day work stuff. Now it's, you know, it's way more modern. It's way more self-serve. So like, oh, just throw these phones in the river. <laughs> They're disposable one-use phones, right? Just throw them in the river every day. Uh, let's see you be carbon neutral now, Apple, right? Um, uh, and the other thing was the long rumored USB-C. I said, man, I think it's going to happen. It, it seems like Europe is going to force them into a corner. Oh, okay. And uh, sure, 
you know, pour out some, uh, choose your favorite beverage from uh, the European Union because they, I believe, they certainly did make this happen. So, so, so you got a pro, not a max, right? I didn't go with the max. I don't want the larger size. Having done a, a plus twice before, uh, it's got some benefits to it for sure. Um, but they're not really as ridiculously big as the plus was, right? Like they're not that big, right? One of the things that was really nice about the plus at the time that I used it was having the physically larger screen. So when you're in office, you could demo to, to folks like in a conference room or right. across the table it was really like a, easily. Like a mini iPad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, a, a very tiny iPad mini. And now it's like, well, I've been working from home remotely for such a long time. I'm like, yeah, I don't need that. I just like share my screen on Zoom. <laughs> right. Like the, the benefit to me doesn't outweigh, uh, you know, if I had like a bag or a purse or some other thing, a, a gun holster, uh, like FBI style or something, like maybe I would feel differently. Uh, for me, I carry in my pocket. The, um, the device that they've got, I think will be pretty great. Maybe I'll change my mind. You know, they did talk about the fact that uh, switching to the titanium and stuff, besides making it lighter, um, they also were able to shave off a little bit more and, you know, keep the same screen size, but change the physical housing included size to be a little narrower. So maybe I'll regret it. Maybe I'll be like, oh man, I'm going to get the bigger one next time. Cause actually that screen isn't quite as big when you start shaving away the, the bezel. So yeah. Yeah, it's like six and a quarter by three inches is the larger phone, whereas this one's like five and three quarters by two and three quarters, so roughly speaking. Um so I and I don't know how that compares to the fourteen if it's actually smaller or not, but yeah, that's that's pretty cool. For me for me it's gonna depend on if family members need us to, to move the phones up. But I I have no I no inkling like Mark. I mean I got the fourteen pro for the camera last year, I'm happy with it. Um but I at this point in time I don't really see the need to upgrade unless like we were talking yesterday on, with Jonathan's family needs phones and I have some phones, but we'll see what we can do with them. But the other thing too, that, that we didn't talk about uh, was that they've increased because of, I guess, because of the size of the, the video files are going to come off this thing. If you're going to shoot in four, uh, 48 megapixel images, which you can do, you can go into settings and turn that on uh, as a default. Um, they've added a six terabyte and a 12 terabyte iCloud plan as opposed to the two terabyte being the max. I'm on a two terabyte right now with my Apple One subscription. Carol and I both use that. And um, I'm fine with it. I'm not really looking for space. I don't know if you guys are on iCloud or not. Um, Yeah, I've got iCloud. uh, I think I'm on the tier that's just up from the cheapest tier. It's like the first pay tier, I think. I can double check while you take a look at that. It's only a few bucks, right? and the, yeah, the prices are two nine. I don't, don't think they talked about this yesterday, but I found an article just before we started recording that uh, twenty nine ninety nine US for a six terabyte plan, uh, and fifty nine ninety nine up for from a twelve terabyte plan, which is apparently cheaper than the ter- ten terabyte plan from Google on Google Drive. So Apple's kind of un- undercutting them there a bit too. Yeah, and that's really good to hear that because going backwards, since you, you gave the higher option, so it looks like a two terabyte today, looking at my iPhone, is nine ninety nine per month. Two hundred gigs is two ninety nine, and I am on the fifty gigs for ninety nine cents per month. So that is one tier up above the what is it five gigs for free from iCloud? Yeah. yeah, I think I'm on that too. It's funny all the Apple T the Apple the app, Apple One it does add up. I mean, I think I'm. Like the increases every year. I think I'm up to around forty five dollars Canadian for 
my Apple One plan, but that supports myself and Carol. Plus, I get to watch, you know, all the Apple TV stuff. Um, so that's all good. Yeah, I can't remember what else. What, oh, and I'm, I'm also backing up my phone to iCloud, too. That's, that's another convenience thing for me. So we talked a bit about some of the other articles. I got out of the articles. I'll have links in the show notes for are the iPhone 15 price difference in Canada, which we talked about already. And I also talked about the uh, the well. The, the headline here is the iPhone 15 Pro fixes the worst thing about the Apple Vision Pro, which is the the dad taking the pictures at the at the party. And apparently, the um, I wrote this. I grabbed this article too. That uh, well, we'll talk about these articles in in order here. Um, Another thing that came out yesterday, which Apple didn't really talk about, but they've um, released uh, two PDFs, one on iOS 17 and one on macOS Sonoma, which kind of go through all the highlights of uh, what's coming in the two operating system upgrades. Uh, so it's kind of uh, cool. I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at those two PDFs at all. Had on taking a look now. So this this is a listing of features. This is nuts. This is like... Uh... This is like sales collateral for a digital banking platform. <laughs> he says with <laughs> yeah. a nod and a wink towards the invisible camera. I thought it was going to be, uh, here's, you know, because it's PDF, right? You're not printing this out. You're not passing it out to people at a conference. Uh, yeah. like, oh, surely, like, new transliteration keyboard languages in this um, macOS Sonoma one. Like, surely they're going to show examples. Nope, data density. This 12-page PDF is three-column, you know, absurdly small font size it feels like maybe it's meant to be printed out and then shoved into like a little booklet in the uh in the box maybe or it feels like it's something that yeah you're sending it out to journalists so they can take whatever they want from it and write articles about it but then wouldn't it like do you think that also comes with like uh, a zip file of image assets to go along because yeah, yeah, it would make sense to have like the images of, like just copy and paste and there you go throw it up on your blog yeah yeah with a nice snazzy photo. By the way, Mark, you'll be pleased to know there's more memojis coming. I was worried for a second PDF. there that they might not. <laughs> Sweating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this uh, PDF uh, details that. All, it's, all this says is more stickers coming. It's funny. Almost like you wrote it. Um, it's amazing how they managed to have this enormous document that kind of doesn't really say anything about any of the features. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Just a sticker big integration and markup. Add stickers to photos, documents, screenshots, and more with markup. Well, okay. There's not a lot of content there. I think that, actually, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, you know that, that feature you get where you get a text message and, you know, it's got like a code and you open it up on your uh, your iPhone keyboard and it automatically puts it at the top of the thing and you just tap on it and enters the code for you? Apparently that's coming to macOS as well this year. I get that on macOS all the time. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought that was a new feature. Through messages? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I thought I thought that I read somewhere that was a new feature. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's anyway. I'll have a link in the show notes to those two um, documents here. And then, so this other. Um, Wait a second. This I'm, I'm just scanning this doc, and it says, "Okay, data detector, quick actions, phone numbers, email dates, and types and times typed into the spotlight search bar will now offer quick actions such as call number, great contacts, etc." Didn't it always do that? Is this I don't think so. you would new. just get the data detector to have one default action. Like, it's yeah. an address, go directly to Maps. It's a phone number, immediately prompt to call. I don't think you had the, the option of, like, this well, interstitial, okay. like, what do you want to do? you want to call? Do you want to create a contact? Do you want to store it in notes? I think that might be the slight variation. 
So the one article I had here, that the headline is iPhone 15 fulfills a vision of photography shared, by, shared with Steve Jobs for over a decade ago. And that's the idea of capturing 3D information at the same time as you take a photo with the LiDAR camera. So it's now going to just detect Siri instead of Hey Siri. Yeah. So, any, like so anytime you have a conversation, you're saying seriously, seriously or be serious. Seriously. And it's actually yeah. doing it right now on my phone. Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seriously? Seriously. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, we need that. We need that uh, um, Amy, Amy Poehler, um, Seth Meyers graphic with the seriously? Yeah. Or, or really? Why couldn't they change it to really? Really, Apple? All right. So yeah, so we've uh, we've only got one one. They've only sold one phone out of the three of us today, right? That's too bad. Yeah, you know, I gotta say the whole Apple event was not very inspiring, in my opinion. Didn't make me want to go out and buy anything. It was like okay, more of the same. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, 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 there was no. I mean, plus the the rumor mill had already released a lot of the stuff that came out today, anyway, right? So, I mean, who didn't think that it was gonna be an Ultra Two, right? That's like almost like a a, a given, right? The only thing we're not sure about is the naming of the product. Right. You know? Yeah, we knew there was going to be a 15 and a 15 Pro. And we knew that the, the 14 was going to get last year's chip. and I mean, sorry, the, the 15 was going to get last year's chip. Yep. Uh, I mean, some of the satellite stuff is new. That's kind of, but that's kind of a natural evolution, if you think about it. Like, no surprise there, right? I think the, the Vision Pro spatial photography is, is, is pretty interesting. We'll have to see yeah, how that potentially. goes. Yeah, Yeah. I think some quick uh, USB-C related stuff. So one was uh, this article from Ars Technica, which the title pretty much says it all. Contrary to rumors, the iPhone 15 has a standard by-the-book USB-C port. There wasn't the nefarious mustache twirling, ah, if you don't pay us for the uh, the MFI, the made-for-iPhone program, it's going to suck. No, oh, it's standard across the board. You may, as a listener or reader, may not... Uh, appreciate the choices that they made for USB-C, but they didn't say uh, you got to pay us extra money to get in for a manufacturer to get into this uh, rarefied club. So I thought the uh, the iPhone 15 Pro had USB 3 standard, but even though it comes with a USB 2 cable, but it's not the same thing as uh, you know intentionally downgrading somebody who didn't you know some manufacturer who didn't pay the price the toll price the gatekeeper price to join your MFI program. Does this mean, have they confirmed that, so MFI is basically no more? That's a good point. You don't need MFI anymore? Everything is just standard USB-C? Because that's a huge change. Hmm. Did it handle things besides the the singular connector? I don't recall what was in bounds and in scope of the MFI program. No, it it was just the lightning port. And technically, I mean, the lightning port actually did the the data protocol is obviously a different physical connector, but the the data protocol was still the USB C standard or a USB standard, not not, not USB C with lightning. But USB. With lightning, with, with lightning hardware, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I know this because I did a couple projects with that, and so yeah, so you would it was yeah you would connect on the remote side, you would connect as if it was USB, uh, but you would have to have this special. This is the the kicker. It was you'd have to have this special auth chip that that the that you had to buy from a certain vendor that Apple only allowed one company to to, to make it. You had to buy this chip and pay them you know, a few bucks per chip. And that's where Apple was getting the money from you. Um, uh, 
Well, actually, I think they took a royalty too, as well. But but anyway, so so it was just from so like I said, from a software protocol, data protocol point of view, it was just standard USB. But you had to have this chip for the auth to connect with the with the with the Lightning hardware through the phone. Hmm. So you know, I'd be very curious about what they really mean about this. You know, is it shorts now? It's USB hardware. Now it's USB software protocol which always was, but you still need the special MFI auth chip if you want to hook up your device to it. That's a good question. What, they, what about things like cars, like CarPlay and stuff like that? Do you have do you have CarPlay in your car, Hami? Does it use US, regular USB? or? I don't, but modern USB? ones should have wireless for that. I think yeah. the initial round of them had physical connectors. Yeah, my, my car is wireless, the CarPlay. One last thing, because... People are like, well, what do you do with the lightning cables? Like my, uh, just to throw out, just to throw out, you know, the conspiracy theories, my uh, lightning cables suddenly started fraying the week of going into the event. Coincidence? Possibly. Sabotage? Not going to say. Are they really old connectors that I've had <laughs> for like a long time and they finally just coincidentally gave out? Unlikely. Uh, so the rumors of Lightning's death are uh, just slightly exaggerated as this post from The Verge, where uh, there are things out there that uh, you might still have and might reasonably still buy brand new. Uh, use Lightning, the Magic Keyboard, the Magic Mouse, Magic Trackpad, yeah. uh, AirPods, because I think they still have the second gen and third gen for sale, AirPods Max, uh, Pencil first generation. It's getting a little rough here. iPhone SE third gen, iPhone 13 and 14 Pro, which uh, we mentioned. You can still continue to buy these brand new, even though they are older designs. iPad ninth gen. Like um, you don't need to, you know, clog up the local river just throwing all your lightning cables out into the uh, into the, the the forest there. Um, also, you know, you can buy the adapters as well if. You know, you decided that eh, I kind of don't really need to replace this one cable. Yeah, well, there's Lightning to USB C adapter now, right? They just they announced that. I just see it's for sale now. It wasn't available yesterday when I looked. Yeah, in addition to my uh, my iPhone delivery, I also ordered uh, three of the 60 watt USB C charging cables at one meter. Which, uh, thank you, Apple. Uh, I assume that's you know pretty close to an NFL standard yard, just a little bit more than a yard. Uh, one meter. <laughs> Thirty nine inches is a meter. <laughs> just yeah, for those that's why I tease. <laughs> Um, I purchased one USB-C to lightning adapter because I figured, you know, if I'm traveling somewhere, I'm almost certainly going to need it because I forgot to pack the right cable or somebody else at like a conference or event or something is going to need the like, oh, crap, I have the wrong. Oh, here you go. Here's my adapter. You know, uh, please allow me to charge my own phone with my regular cable and you can use the adapter. And then uh I also purchased a USB-C to 3.5 millimeter headphone jack adapter because I still connect to my, uh, I still physically connect my phone to my, my old school 2006 car. It's not fancy pants enough. And it's probably the last internal combustion vehicle I will ever own in my lifetime. So I'm like, just going to drive it into the ground. So for the low, low price of, uh, whatever this USB-C to 3.5 millimeter headphone jack costs, I can plug it in like a filthy animal. With Lightning or USB? Uh, USB-C, because I have right now, I have the the Lightning to 3.5 millimeter headphone jack adapter. Oh, yeah, no, I got those with my iPad Pro when I, when yeah, because the iPad Pro's had USB-C for a couple of years now, right? So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, so I have a drawer full of, um, the you know, the, um, what do you call the, the audio uh, 
jack, you know, the mini mini phone jack to lightning adapters. So yeah. I'm actually it's funny, I'm looking at I still have because I was working on my I resurrecting my my original iPad one point on my desk here, plugged in, ready to go. I have a thirty pin connector and on the end of it is a thirty pin to lightning connector. So I could theoretically get the lightning to USB C adapter, put it on the end of this thing, and I could charge my my iPad with this really old janky thirty pin connector. <laughs> Because I can just have a dong, you know, a, do- a trail of dongles, right? All right. Yeah. Well, and hold on, hold on. The thirty pin had the had a USB A on the other end, so nothing's changed there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's plugged, that's plugged into the to the what do you call it the um the power brick on the on the floor. I've got a, like a like adapter with a USB A. Right. That has thirty pin. Oh, you're saying if you little... want to use that thirty pin cable, even though you don't have, I have all the, to. on the end of it, I have a, a US thirty pin to lightning adapter. Which came out when they sw- first switched over to, uh, to from the lightning port, right? And, and then, you just have that for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> well, no, I, I said I just happened to have it here because because yeah. I was I was resurrecting my old iPads, which are thirty pin connectors, right? And then, but then I have a lightning adapter I found in a drawer. I just stuffed it on here just for for fun, just to have it sitting here. And because I can't charge, well, I don't know if I never tried charging. I have cases on my phone, so I, it won't reach in. But but I can get the lightning to USB C USB. Yeah, USB-C adapter and put it on the end of this. And then I've got, I can, you know, with this, what, 2010 cable, I can charge my iPad Pro, thir- you know, 11, whatever this is, by just adding another yeah, dongle to it, yeah, Mark. Yes, you can. <laughs> Whether I should or not. Yeah, I'm sorry, enjoy, right? enjoy, enjoy that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So moving to our picks, I have, uh, this, is, this is an older piece actually from Malin, uh, my friend from Vancouver. Our, she and her partner run a, a podcast and they also run a core a coffee meetup that we go to every couple of weeks or so. Uh, they're doing them in person now if you're in Vancouver as well as occasionally online. She did a Vision Pro. She was one of the people who was fortunate enough to do the Vision Pro um, sit down at, at WWDC. So she um, did a video on her experiences um, trying out the device. Uh, at uh, but yeah, she uh, got to try the Vision Pro, and she talks about it. Her with her, uh, I think somebody else who also experienced it as well. So I got a link in the show notes for that one. Um, this is another uh, quick post that I picked up a couple of uh, weeks ago from a gentleman named Sarab. Uh, these are some advanced Mac OS command line tools. Uh, Caffeinate is one that uh, you may have heard of before. That's one if you want your Mac to not go to sleep, you can set run the Caffeinate command and give it some time. And it'll stay awake for that period of time. Uh, PB copy and PB paste. A lot of people use that. Uh, it's basically kind of like copying to the pasteboard, right? Um, and uh, so if you need to copy something from, you know, maybe your RSA configuration, or whatever, you can, you know, do a cat and move it over to PB copy, and then you've got it kept in your pasteboard. You can paste it into your GitHub, whatever. Um, SIPs is an interesting one. These are image manipulation stuff. I used to do a lot of SIPs stuff back in the early. Yeah, PHP SIPS, days, it's SIPS kind of, isn't a uh, Mac OS thing. It's a Unix thing. Yeah, but it's, but I used to use that back in the early days. Open, if you want to open a file, it talks about how to do that. Uh, text detail is a, a text file converter. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of them in here. So some of these I use. Software update. Um, I mean, I install my uh, Xcodes. I don't, I don't really double-click on them. I use the, um, the XIP command to expand them. So just saves them saves me a lot of trouble so that's one that's that's missing on this list but yeah take a look at those uh, extra mac commands if you like and the last article i have here is from james dempsey he's uh, got a post here on swift.org 
about the upcoming uh, ability to use feature flags inside of uh, Swift in 5.8. Um, if they come out with, let's, for example, his quick example here is if they, they do something that basically breaks your code, uh, you can turn on a feature flag to, or use a feature flag to protect your, your builds and that kind of stuff as you go. So that's an article on the upcoming feature flags. I think it's a, a good thing because you you want to encourage folks to start the migration path even before the official stuff is out there, but you want to be practical of like, you don't want broken code. You want to make it easier for folks to make these sorts of transitions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can use it with Swift Package Manager. You can use it in your custom flags in your Swift compiler. So, yeah, lots of examples here from James on how to do that. Cool. I think he talked about that at SwiftTO. I'll have to go back and look at his talk. And then over to you, Jaime, for the last one. Yeah, uh, githistory.xyz or xyz if you prefer, which kind of explains it all right here with the uh, quickly browse the history of files in any Git repo. So step one, go to a file in GitHub or GitLab or Bitbucket. Replace github.com with github.githistory.xyz or z. Step three, there is no step three. And, um, and this will basically read the read all the changes in the commits to that particular file? And it shows you kind of a nice uh, visual way. So I gave uh, an example because they've got to try it. Okay. They've got to try it, but I'm like, you know, not necessarily familiar with the uh, the example that they're showing. It is a smaller one. You can see how... Uh, oh, okay, this particular set of lines came in. This this line was changed. I chose one. Yeah, this is kind of cool. This gives you a... It's just a nicer way of uh, of uh, moving through the, uh, you know, the changes as time goes on than the than the, uh, the regular Git... Um, what is it? Git compare kind of thing where you have to choose yeah, a diff, commit. Diff, you know, yeah. Yeah, or choose a commit and, and then... Uh, and then or you can try to look at down. version history in, in Xcode. Yeah, I was trying to do that. Well, that's day, what I'm actually. talking about. Yeah, the bird. Yeah, yeah. We do we do the side by side comparison, and you have to pick a command, yeah. and then it shows you. This is kind yeah. of a nice thing. Yeah. yeah, I chose an example of uh, code base I'm more familiar with, and I just sort of played with it to see, and I said, okay, so the first change going backwards from April of 23 to February of 22 is like okay, smaller change, and then you know, small change from 2022 to 2021. And I said, whoa, hold on. What happened between March 30th, 2021 and April 15th? I was like, oh, we made it simpler by making it a little bit uh, more. It's seemingly verbose, but it removes numbers of files and stuff. It makes it a lot more sort of bog standard sort of stuff. I was like, oh, okay, I see what happened here. But so the one thing it doesn't let you do is do a comparison between, say, today and the commit six commits ago. No, it's skipping it's, all the ones in between. Yeah. It's not that. It's more like a following the stream of changes yeah. is what it feels like. Yep. Probably good for if you have to do some like bisecting to try to find where a change broke something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very useful for that. You can just kind of start at the one you know works and then kind of step forward, single step forward in through the changes until you see something that, that looks suspicious. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah another lens to analyze yep. and see does does this one help me understand what happened yeah yeah i like this of course are they stealing all our code this website <laughs> i mean uh, <laughs> i assume but have not tried that it only works with public repos they do have hmm. extensions for your browser which i don't necessarily 
recommend people install that might be able to get around and look at internal and private only uh, organizational repos. Um, but for public repos, which is uh, one of the ones I chose, like it should be fine. Um, are they following the license? No idea. Not a lawyer. I'm just trying to figure out what language this is. The one in your example that you're writing. Oh, uh, do you, do you want to take a guess? You want me to yeah, just I take a guess. Let me look at it a little bit. I, I'm looking for some clues. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not, well, obviously it's not in any Apple language. Um, and it's not, you know, a C type language and it's not Java. Uh, and it's not Python. Take go. I don't think it's go, but it could be go. It's got awaits in there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, and you know, it doesn't look like it, it's, it's not, you know, not just JavaScript or anything either. Yeah, no colons, no brackets. Yeah. Oh, there's some brackets. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. What is it? So we are looking at JavaScript using the Node.js. Really? It is JavaScript. And Express frameworks. Oh. So it's... Um, a little different than like browser-based JavaScript. Like it yeah, doesn't jump yeah. out the same way. Yeah. Um, if you look syntactically, uh, so many things are getting to that much more terse thing. So I'm kind of not surprised that, that Go came out as a, as a potential one. Um, you can also look at the file extension market server.js. I was hoping that wouldn't happen. I was hoping you wouldn't oh. look at the, <laughs> at the URL. I didn't even see that. Yeah. I was hoping you wouldn't look at that. Um, I guess I should have known on the on the very first line, const express equals re- require express. And then two lines later, node fetch. I should have mm. got, got it from that. <laughs> it's really hard if you if you were literally looking, you know, from the very top, line by line, maybe. But if you're sort of just trying to, to get the, the rough shape and try to figure it out. Yeah. Um, this is why I was uh, pretty excited about async await coming to, to mm-hmm. Swift back when it did. Because I said, oh, I've learned how to do that in C-sharp before. I've uh, taken that same sort of understanding and applied it to using it in uh, Node.js. Um, and well, I could kind of get like how it was likely to work in Swift. And that was the thing, you know, I saw the, the async awaits and I was thinking JavaScript, but, I, but the code just didn't look like JavaScript to me. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It looks a little different on the, yeah. the server side. Um, yeah. the, the, the general shape as opposed to like, you know, if it was front end react or view, uh, Vue.js or something, yeah. uh, those stick out a little bit more. Um, and it's not like you're going to casually encounter Node.js code, right? right. Like you just go to any web page and be like, oh, view source. Oh, look, they're using React. You know, this stuff, I mean, unless you're uh, perusing all of the um, the code repositories on GitHub, I'm not sure how you would just casually encounter Node stuff uh, coming out of the Apple ecosystem. I guess that's it for another episode. So, hi, maybe people get in touch with you. Where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at dev of the hair. All right. And Mark, people can get in touch with you. I think Mark R at smapsoft.com still works. <laughs> Not 100% sure, but I think so. Yeah. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine, the uh, LinkedIn machine. No, not LinkedIn machine, but uh, on Twitter machine, the Mastodon machine, the Blue Sky machine, and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, by the way, I am looking for work. I am on the job market right now. So if you have any tips or leads on iOS roles, engineering management, or developer, throw me a bone. Let me know what's going on out there. And until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. Bye.
This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. I was going to say, Mark, uh, so we're really excited that you applied, but uh, we've decided to go with another candidate. For what? <laughs> For your review of the code, you just like that. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's your standard rejection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we really say, we're really impressed with your experience and your knowledge, but we've decided to go with another candidate. Yeah. Well, you know, if I had to write JavaScript code, I would not take that job anyway. Sorry, honey. Got to use the tools you're happy with. Like, I do believe people can... Uh, you know, learn other stacks. If somebody's like, you know, uh, a Ruby on Rails dev and you're a Rust shop, I'm pretty sure if they're good at what they do, they can pick it up. Will they yeah. want to do that? That's yeah. a different question That's a different, altogether. Different story. Right? Different question. That's a taste yeah. question of like, yeah. does this fit your, your taste? And if it doesn't, then you're not going to be happy. But that's different than being actually incapable somehow of learning right. the language. True, but if you if you're gonna and if you're gonna use Fastlane, you got to learn a little bit of Ruby. If you want to use, um, you know, do um, what's that uh, testing Selenium? You need to know um, what do they do over there? I think it's uh, isn't that JavaScript? So JavaScript, TypeScript, yeah. So I mean, you know, yeah, you gotta. I mean, if you're writing APIs, you might need to know some. You don't have to know. I mean, it could be server side Swift, but in a lot of cases, it's Go or it's you know PHP. In some cases, it, it is not. It is not server side Swift. No, in most cases, it's <laughs> server side Swift does not exist anymore. Sorry, <laughs> except except for toy except for toy projects. Yeah, yeah that's like in, the, in the real world, if you're dealing if you're yeah. in the real world, you're probably dealing with Go or you're dealing with you know PHP or something like you're some some language that that you know Java even right so. Java's yeah, hanging I mean, around. Backend stuff is is probably mostly Python and JavaScript mm -hmm. these days, but there is still Python, Ruby. Yeah. There's still Ruby out there. Yeah, there's still. I mean, there's still C plus plus out there too. I mean, people use it mm -hmm. still out there. Yeah, I feel like you know certainly there's still a bunch of COBOL out there that's going to yeah, continue yeah. to hang around, and I think yeah. uh, not for web development though. <laughs> <laughs> Java is kind so of there's Cobol in banking. There's Cobol in banking. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the, Java is interesting in that, uh, unlike Cobol, that a lot of folks kind of look at as like this weird, dusty old language. Java had that for a while, and then it like, you know, if it was and a person, it, yeah. it like went to the gym. It got a makeover. Maybe got a little mm -hmm. bit of plastic yeah, surgery script. done. Type yeah, came along. It, yeah, and yeah. and now you, you know Java and. And other languages are like rejuvenating themselves in a way that I feel kind of need a little shot in the arm to reinvigorate folks on uh, stuff like Swift and Apple platforms. Um, 
you know, I'm really sad to see that the Swift TO conference was having a bit of uh, trouble. And granted, a lot of conferences are having trouble in this post-pandemic, post, uh, you know, or I guess in the current of this weird economic environment. Um, but we've talked about this on the show for a while now that, like, you know, it's gone away from the enthusiast as a general, very, very broad brush to like, hey, man, it's just my nine to five job. It's not my yeah. passion. Very like we need so. like another yeah. shot in the arm to get that that juice going again. Yeah. Well, maybe Vision Pro will be that, but somehow I don't. I don't think so. But you never know. Never know. I don't. I don't think. I don't think individual indie developers can do Vision Pro for real. I, I hate to say it. Like give it justice. Uh, you mean not like technically oh, has you, something on there, yeah, but like you can, is you doing can make, yeah, you can, stuff. You can make a little toy little program, sure, and maybe put it on the app store, but. And maybe a few people download it, you know, absolutely. But the the dominant players are going to be large companies with giant teams who have entire staffs yeah. doing all the yeah. 3D graphics. It's it's just the way it's just the, the nature of the beast. It's like these, you know, all these games that they use Unity and all that. Yeah, you can get a Unity license and you can have at it. You can build a game, but you're not going to make. Um, you're making Geese Squad. You're not making like yeah. some world, right? Whatever, yeah, whatever the yeah. latest and greatest insert, latest and greatest new game. <laughs> you're not making uh, Mortal Kombat one, <laughs> right? Uh, or a little bit older, like an Elden Ring or something like yeah. Super Mario Brothers. Like it's really hard to do that. Yeah. Like, yep. Do you do yep. you think that um, that generative AI helps lower the barrier to getting to that point? Though, I mean, certainly the big people can do it too. So it's not a um, a unique factor, but does it start breaking down some of the barriers of like, well, I sure do need some nice graphics. Hey, insert chat, whatever LLM. Can you create me something that gets me most of the way there? Maybe, you know, but, but we're, we're certainly not there yet. Right. You're, you're not going to say, you, know, you can't go into chat GPT and say, Hey, generate the, it generate me a terabyte worth of 3d assets for this new shoot 'em up game. Right. You, you can't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you still need an army of, you know, an army of 3D design experts building that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then, um, it, it, I mean, maybe eventually we'll get to that. But I, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I still kind of think the, well, this is, you know, this, I'm, I'm in the minority, but I think the, the hype, there's certainly something to generative AI, obviously, right? But the hype of generative AI is beyond where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mm-hmm. still lots of cases where, like, there was just one. Uh, what, what was the one just just recently? Um, now I can't remember the details, but it, I think it was some school had implemented it for something, and it was just getting things completely wrong. So I had to kill the program. Um, right. This was not too long ago. It's a couple of weeks ago this happened. And you just, you know, you just can't trust it yet to do, you can, it, it, as long as you guide it, yeah, it'll, it'll give you great stuff, yeah, yeah. but you can't, you can't just say, you know, Hey, you know, do the work of a thousand people and, you know, have it done by lunchtime and I'm going to go take a nap. Right. You just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I do wonder where we are in the, uh, the Gartner hype cycle when it comes to mm-hmm. large language models, because, Folks who don't know, you can you can Google it. You can take a look on Wikipedia. If you imagine a sine wave, like the kind you would see on uh, an EKG, ECG, but like 
after the first cycle, the patient flatlines. <laughs> just, mm -hmm. um, you have that technology trigger, just this rapid rise to the peak of inflated expectations. I think we're getting just beyond that into the trough of disillusionment of how this is utter garbage. Who could possibly mm -hmm. use this? And then the the comeback of the slope of enlightenment which never actually gets as high as the peak of inflated expectations, but is definitely way higher than the trough of disillusionment. And then you sort of stabilize into the keeping the lights on plateau of productivity. Yeah. Like, where are we with cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency sped run through a lot of that. I think we're really close to getting into the early stages of slope of enlightenment and into plateau of productivity. Like, hmm. you know, certainly you've got, um, you know, Binance and FTX and others that are dealing with issues, but then you've got Visa and um, uh, PayPal issuing stable coins and saying, Hey, this isn't speculative. It is meant to be another payment rail that makes it easier to transfer money, especially across borders. But, you know, you're not going to get rich on this this dollar because it's meant to stay at a dollar. Mm -hmm. And how about NFTs? Oh, <laughs> you, I man, that's a tough one because I feel like there's a new version of that, and and I'm not in this space, so I'm, you know, if anybody is, they're probably uh, shaking their their fist at the uh, at the podcast right now. But there's two things that I've seen that are kind of interesting, right? So we're you know, we definitely went into the trough of disillusionment, and a whole bunch of yeah. these NFTs are just like completely worthless, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a trend towards some physical goods that get tied to an NFT. So you can buy like pudgy penguins, this thing that showed up on my feed. And I was like, what the heck is this? It's like, Oh, you can have this unique, you know, to you uh, little toy penguin. It looks cute. Like it's, you know, subjectively here, but like it has some physical value and you've got your essentially a, uh, a certificate of authenticity because you're connecting uh, a little uh, NFC sticker or device inside of it to the blockchain. So, like, so the NFT or whatever it actually not whatever it is uh, is not the thing of value itself. It's just it's just the the certificate. It's just the little uh, stamp of approval for your physical thing. It ends up, yeah, it ends up being you know ignoring JPEGs sort of stuff, which they still continue to have the JPEG version associated with it it's like i have this pudgy penguin with the shark outfit and the pirate hat and um people can still use that for community-based stuff of like because you have this in your your digital wallet you can maybe get access to certain you know club type activities in the real world or in the the, the online world but it also gives you this opportunity here to be like yeah i am authentically the one who had this which probably doesn't matter for like you and me and tim and like everybody who's listening to the podcast where it matters is this is the pudgy penguin that was owned by Michael Jordan definitively. And we know it is because we can test it, right? We can see that the blockchain shows, yep, he owned it, you know, three owners ago. Is it as meaningful? I don't know. People like having used stuff, right? So that hmm. I feel like is working its way into like slope of enlightenment. Maybe I don't know that it's plateau of productivity and what this practically means, but you know, replacing the sure, trust me, kid, this certificate of authenticity means this is actually magic Johnson's signature on this basketball kind of thing. The other thing is something called um, soul bound tokens. So using these tokens as almost like a verifiable credential. And I don't know if I'm 
misunderstanding it, but it's like, this is a token that cannot be transferred because this identifies you as Dr. Mark Rubin, uh, or for things like, we can verify that you legitimately do have this PhD from MIT, right? You're, uh, actually, I don't have a PhD from MIT. You don't have, have a, a, where? No, no, I have my, my undergrad degrees are from MIT, but my PhD is from UC Santa Barbara. Ah, see, sorry. Well, uh, ignoring that, like, I, yeah. you're not a politician. You're not a <laughs> NCAA football <laughs> coach who's, who's bragging about their fake credentials, but people could, right? So these soulbound tokens are non-transferable tokens that can prove certain aspects about you. So again, I don't know where that's going to end up, but it's it's coming out, I think, of the trough of disillusionment into something that might be useful and productive. I don't know. I'd, I'd still like to have just my license be on my phone before I had that. <laughs> Why can't we just do that? Right? I'm so jealous <laughs> of all of these states. I'm like, man, come to Washington State already and, yeah. and let me have a, a driver's license, especially with the, um, I think Apple was doing this as a verifiable credential. Uh, style thing where like look when if you go to like you know a bar or nightclub that requires to prove that like you're 21 years of age or older why do you have to give them your entire identity my full name you know my exact date of birth here's my address completely unnecessary all they really need to know as the bouncer or the gatekeeper is is this person over the age of 21 right how they got there don't really care are they are they precisely 21 or are they well past 21 like i am uh, doesn't really matter and you certainly yeah, don't need to bleed other information. i haven't had that problem in many years <laughs> <laughs> they should hypothetically be carding everybody who walks through that door mm. right um whether they do or not different but like those sorts of things are interesting of like you know how can we how can we do stuff? And I kind of just want the digital model. Like I probably will continue to carry the physical driver's license because I'm the kind of person who likes having, you know, offline backups where possible. Mm -hmm. But I sure would like to have it be an option of like, oh, holy smokes, I somehow locked out the door without my wallet. Well, then no problem. I still have my driver's list with me on my phone because I'm always going to have my phone with me. Uh, or if I can do it from my watch because I probably have my watch on me. You know, that sort of thing. Well, they should just be able to do a retinal scan. We're not quite there yet. Or a fingerprint yeah. scan. Yeah, touch ID. Touch ID at the bar gets you in. It should. Or face ID. I mean, the the um, verify your identity by bank is something that other countries um, have done. So I'm interested in that uh, coming. And yeah, we but, do that here in Canada. Yeah, right? Like, you prove for your, oh, I've got an account at Scotiabank or TD Bank or Royal Bank of Canada, right? That's how you log into your, your government account. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, extending that out, uh, do they also do it for like, I don't know, um, you're signing up for Netflix or something or. Yeah, other... it's, it's a service called Verified Me. And I think all the banks got together and, and worked on it together. And, and so, yeah, it can be used to it's basically like, yeah, proving who you are, who you say you are. Right. So I don't know if it's like used in commercial services quite yet, but, um, you know, I've used it in medical cases. I've used it in, you know, financial things with the government like like our our our, our version of irs and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. no. the cirs yeah it's um cra yeah revenue agency um i i also am, am pretty interested in this idea and i don't know if you know it's going too far but certainly google and apple pretty much know who you are um, potentially even better than uh, your government or at least uh, your bank, right? Like 
why couldn't I use my my Apple identity and be like, yep, here you go. Let me go sign up for, you know, um, water service, electric service at my house. Um, why couldn't I uh, sign up for things, you know, at real serious government thing? Like, can you look me straight in the face and be like, oh, no, they don't know who you are. Are you serious? Apple definitely knows who I am. Let me tell you, when I purchased the dang iPhone, how they knew exactly who I am and how it was like uh, a little painful this morning because the, the service wasn't up for the thundering herd problem. But it was like two taps to have everything that I wanted shipped to me. Right. Um, good luck doing that on any government form hmm. uh, or even bank forms for that matter. And since I'm talking about uh, stuff I'm grumpy about, I'm reminded that uh, I actually had to replace my physical Apple card. Did I tell you guys about this? Wow, really? No. Yeah, so um, I got these notifications. Was this three or four days ago? Uh, I got these notifications on my wallet of like, hey, you know, we have declined these suspicious looking transactions. Go into Apple Wallet, review them, and accept or decline. I was like, Hmm. Wow. These are weird, like, you know, one to $2 purchases, attempted purchases at, uh, sim- almost simultaneously at a bakery in Fort Worth, Texas and some, uh, beauty shop over in New York city. So clearly hmm. the fraud mechanism detected this oddity, this, this attempt, I uh, declined it and it says, okay, great. We have, you know, locked down your Apple card tap here to open up the business uh, iMessage chat message stuff and request a new card, which was pretty simple. Um, very straightforward. They sent it within three days. I oh. now have a new activated physical I, Apple I card. Kinda, I kind of want a new one. Mine's getting a little old and dirty. A little beat up. Uh, yeah. Mine yeah. It has one gouge in it that um, it's nearly identical, uh, this new one to the old one. I'm actually a little shocked that they didn't reorient it to use the the chip as the the primary guiding thing of like you're sliding the chip in in like the carded in like portrait mode and so i thought they were going to rotate the apple logo and the goldman sachs logo Mm. instead they still have it sort of landscape mode like as if you were constantly swiping the card with Mm. the magnetic strip Mm. Um, but otherwise it's, it's yet another reason why as cool as the uh, the physical titanium card is actually prefer ignoring the the extra money back percentages ignoring that which is nice i actually prefer using apple pay where possible because this problem can't happen right i have no clue where i use that physical apple card that somehow clearly uh you know got leaked somewhere was it a reader? Yeah, can you lock put? the card like like you can with the credit card like can you lock it so it can't be used for transactions that you're not aware of um, you can lock the card. I'm afraid to do so right now because I don't want to activate another mm-hmm. one, but I don't know if it's, there are some companies that do the nifty, like, uh, lock all transactions or lock, yeah. uh, lock online transactions only versus locking. Yeah, I, uh, I can lock international transactions, for example. I'm like, I can just go into the TD app, but I can lock my, my visa card. So it can't be used at all. I can just lock it for international or whatever. Right. So. Because I very rarely take my card out of out of my wallet. I use my app, my Apple Watch all the time for tap to pay, and mm-hmm. you know, I think they I think they increased the the purchase up to like two hundred fifty dollars. As long as you know, as long as I'm below that, I can use right you know my Face ID or whatever to 
approve, approve a purchase. Yeah. Yeah. There's so Mark, if you, if you wanted to do that, it is, if you go into the wallet and you go to your Apple card, you go to the, the kebab menu, the dot, dot, dot menu, mm-hmm. yeah. upper right hand corner, car details. And there is yeah. a titanium card section that says lock request. card or request. Oh, replacement but I was card. just looking at the request replacement card mm-hmm. and I'm wondering what happens if I tap that button. Probably I get a new card. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't see why, why not. Yeah. Oh, there's an ad here. Get 6% daily cash at Nike ends September 30th. So like, again, you know, ignoring the only in America folks, only in America. the niceties. It's like, well, it's way nicer from a technology standpoint and a security and privacy standpoint, in my opinion, to use Apple pay on your watch or your phone or uh, maybe on your MacBook pro. Hmm. It's my preference. Yep. <laughs> I did laugh. I don't know who it is. I want to say it's like Hyundai or Kia is introducing like Hyundai pay or Kia pay in, uh, you know, some sort of console device in the car and the comment, I wish I, I had it handy so I could quote them accurately and, and give them uh, the proper representation. The comment was just gently tap your vehicle against the payment terminal to complete the transaction. <laughs> Just give it a little love tap with your bumper. <laughs> Just to be clear, for those listening, that's not how it works. But isn't that how it should work, though? I mean, that's how, that's how Apple Pay works, right? Just lightly tap this thing against the terminal. Uh, contactless uh, tap to pay, you know, credit cards and debit cards. That's what you do, right? So why wouldn't you, following that same model, tap the car against the payment terminal? I'm not knowing. Mm-hmm. The last thing I wanted to to bring up, because I think it's available now. Yes, you can actually download now. So in the uh, other languages that might be interesting ones, um, I think I, I threw in the chat the uh, the Mojo programming language by Chris Latner. That's a Python-based uh, you know, style of programming language, but with, but with the performance of C and still maintaining compatibility with Python's ecosystem. So kind of seems like he took the learnings of how do I get Objective-C and Swift and C++ to interrupt nicely and use those same kinds of things towards, you know, what seems to be his jam. And that's around uh, machine learning and AI development stuff. It's been in preview for a while now. Now it looks like you can actually download the, the SDK. It requires a sign-up, oh, apparently. For Mojo, the reading here from the, the website, modular.com slash mojo. Mojo, the programming language for AI developers. Mojo combines the usability of Python with the performance of C, unlocking unparalleled programmatic programmatic unlocking unparalleled programmability of AI hardware and extensibility of AI models. Hmm. So it's trying to be, for what I could tell, and trying to remind myself a bit more of a provably correct Python with and with faster um, faster performance. So, you know, one thing I should have put down as my pick as well is that Revenue Cat has rolled out um, paywalls. So, like, you know, you can use Revenue Cat to manage your subscription inside your iOS app, and it dovetails with the subscription services that Apple has. You know, where you, you basically put what you want to sell and how you want people to consume it. Um, but you can now put a paywall in your app, so you can, you know, have uh, recurring revenue. I think it's kind of cool. It's in beta right now. No reaction from you guys whatsoever. <laughs> no, neat, neat. Sorry, yeah, I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm dragging a little bit because I was up at 4.40 in the morning Pacific time oh. in anticipation of needing to, like, I'm a slow riser, so I needed to. Order a phone? Yeah, to order the phone. So 
Ah. It should have only taken, you know, fewer than a minute or two, but it took me nearly 30 minutes to get into the, um, Oh, because the, the store wasn't store. open. It, man, I, you know, pour, pour one out in both, um, you know, commiseration, but also a little bit of like, holy smokes, you have bazillions of people all mm-hmm. clamoring for these things at the exact same time. And yeah. they were, as far as I can tell, down for a little bit. I think they were down and resolved it within half an hour to an hour, I would guess. I think I was one of the lucky few who got through after that initial wave clearly crashed it. Like It was like, okay, it'll be a few minutes before the store goes live. I'm like, mm, it's 5.05. I've been sitting here waiting for this to go live. What's going on? And then, okay, I'm going to start the flow. Sorry, we don't see a pre-order. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, all you have to do is look up the ID. And it's, it's probably stored right here. Like, There's nothing to do. And then it's like, okay, we'll be back soon in a bit. <laughs> and you could just watch people on Twitter, you know, commiserate on the, the whole problem of like, uh, what's going on. And then within the 30 minutes I was able to, to get through. So uh, I didn't buy multiple phones at, at multiple times. So I don't know what the experience was like for people who came after me, but there were a few even luckier folks who, um, you know, right at the top of the hour, they were able to get their phone and then roll back into bed and sleep. Um, I tried to do that, but after the 30 minutes of adrenaline pumping <laughs> kind of woke me up enough, I said, forget it. I'll just start my day earlier. Yeah. So confused that you okay. are still using Twitter. <laughs> Have you ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean, the movie? Uh, bits and pieces of it, yeah. If you have seen the introduction of Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, where they show him, he's on the the mast, uh, the crow's nest of the ship, right? Shot very dramatically. And then as the ship is coming into the harbor, it's actually sinking under the harbor. And he just sort of like steps across onto the the uh the deck of the um the port that's that's probably going to be me and twitter <laughs> i'm just going to be one of the last people uh going off into uh the ether with it and by then hopefully something else like mastodon or blue sky or threads or maybe something else will start mm-hmm. taking that place so far i've not jumped into any of those other things yet because i i want to see where where folks are going to be I don't have to be there on day one. I kind of want to be there when it's built up enough. I, I wasn't day one on Twitter. So we'll see. Pour one out for Twitter. Just playing with the order order thing on the phone here. Um, if I wanted to order late, like, what, 11.50 p.m. at night here, if I want to order a phone right now, um, the white one is going to take um, about a month. and the uh, But the other colors, the blue, the black, and the natural titanium are going to be uh, just three weeks. Yeah. So yeah. So all the more reason for you to get up at five in the morning. I don't think it was that. I don't think there was much demand last year uh, for the 14th. I, I think I got mine. I didn't buy it on first, like the first order, but I got it pretty quickly. Weird, eh? Yeah. I think, you know, they're certainly going to sell bazillions, but there isn't the year to year folks needing to demand. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like, well, like it used to be like, if you ordered this late in the day, you would, you'd be looking at like, you know, November. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. point in time. Yeah. Nowadays, people are, especially because Apple supports these so well uh, for so long, like people are hanging on to phones that if they were kids, they would be in kindergarten by the time they, they give it up and then jump on to the next thing. 
Mm -hmm. And as I said, I highly suspect that part of the crazy thundering herd of people clamoring for iPhones problem is probably because of that pent up demand that said, I want to upgrade, but I didn't last year because it was rumored for USB-C, but then it didn't happen. I said, oh, forget it. I'll wait till next year. And I think a lot of people did what I did. Maybe not for the same exact reasons, but they just decided to hold off one more year and suddenly say, yeah, yeah I might as well. I think, care, I think people care about this stuff less less than you think. <laughs> it doesn't the even average, have to the be The average person like, isn't thinking about USB-C. They don't even know what USB-C is. So it's not the average person. Average person is like, oh, my phone broke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, let me go yeah. get a new one. What's the newest model? Yeah. Um, I'm talking more like the, you know, a large enough set of people who follow not necessarily as closely as we do, but but close enough to be aware that this stuff was happening and that it changed their buying pattern. Like if they told you like, oh man, the rumors, you know, next next year they're going to give you something even better. It's, it's going to come with a Vision Pro for free. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll hold off. <laughs> maybe I won't. Maybe I won't wake up at five in the morning uh, just so I could see what's happening. Remember when the uh, the plus models came out and just completely disrupted the the normal cadence of how people were were purchasing the devices? Yeah, uh, I don't know that that's going to be the case here because uh, it's less less tangible of a thing for people to sink their teeth into from like the average person on the street. Average person on the street can see the billboard and says, "Oh wow, it's a bigger iPhone. Maybe I'll buy one." You know. Uh, for people holding off for USB-C, I don't think it's going to be huge like the 6 Plus, but I, I can believe that there's still enough people that are on some sort of upgrade cycle. Uh, there are still enough people who said, like, uh, I'll hold off. Or maybe maybe they're just so big that that rolling cohort of people who update, you know, on the three to five year cycle just came up on the uh, the right cycle here to line up with the USB-C release. I haven't looked back to see, you know, if you if you jumped in, what would your cohort be? Three years, five years, six years, whatever number of years for the the cutoffs of the new phones. I uh, sorry, the new operating system. Sorry, what was the question? It wasn't so much a question as it was speculation. Uh, no, for all I know, I guess to be the, the the devil's advocate, like maybe it was just really you know poor management of a of a complicated. Uh, web service that brought down um, the Apple store. Um, I think yeah, after I, this much time, I tend not to believe that because remember the NES classic uh, video game console um, that brought down Amazon and they clearly know how to do the web and e-commerce. So I think this is just a, an unsolved problem for, you know, distributed systems, which also have to do very strong guarantees that you're not double spending money. You're not, uh, oopsies. You know, we, I thought we had more iPhones than that. Turns out we, we double, we double shipped or double, uh, double pre-ordered, uh, iPhones. And now we got a whole bunch of grumpy people wondering why the heck their September 22nd delivery date is now December 22nd, you know, that sort of thing. But I'm not getting the impression that the sales on this were gangbusters. I mean, the stock market is not really responded very much. It's hard to get know. a signal we'll from we'll like, see. it's hard to get a signal. We'll see, like I said, we will see when the, the quarterly results come out that let us analyze what happened here. Like, you're not going to see the, the days of yore where people are going to stand in line for the phones. You're not going to, yeah, true. Not going to be able to tell the difference between, oh my goodness, so many people wanted this phone versus, oh my goodness, Apple is completely incompetent at web services. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, too hard to tell now. 
I'm, I'm leaning on the positive side of like the fact that yes, it did fall on its face, but to recover from a site reliability, excuse me, re recover from a site reliability standpoint within 30 minutes, granted that was my personal experience, but within 30 minutes from absolutely down to, Oh, Hey, two taps and you're done. Uh, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Ask your engineering teams <laughs> for a major outage, <laughs> whether they feel like a 30 minute clock is a, is a fair barometer. So when you say down, do you mean like, like getting 404s or what were you seeing on the, on the screen? It was doing weirdo behavior. Um, let's see what I can remember. Oh, like the empty, empty shopping cart and not stuff It didn't like let that. me into the store at all, even though I could see online that people were, some people were already done with purchases. Um, it let me into the store. And then when I, when I got the little pop-up, it's like, pre-order, great. You don't have a pre-order. It's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? I just did that. It, it, it's all there with my, my accessories and everything. And then I couldn't get back into the store again. And then I think somewhere around the, again, the 30-minute mark, it was about 5.30 in the morning, my time, uh, Pacific time, I was finally able to, to get in, tap through, tap, yes, I do want to pay with Apple Pay. It's already got my, my address saved, and then you're done. So very smooth at that 30 minute mark. Um, but this sounds like they just said, you know, they obviously have many, many, many servers in parallel and some of them were just not behaving. So if you got lucky and got one of the good ones, you were fine. If you didn't, you were just kind of screwed. Yeah. Just blame AWS. My yeah, suspicion so, yeah. without, without much other than some anecdotes and the, and the plural of anecdote is data, right? Scientific <laughs> Certainty data. Uh, I kid, I kid. Um, I suspect, given from what I can casually see on Twitter, that it does seem like there is a, I'm going to call it an East Coast bias when it comes to the Apple Store. And I don't think it's intentional just to be really funny. It's not like the, the East Coast media bias that you might hear about in sports. I think it's just the fact that, like, um, AWS, for example, in Virginia, this East Coast state, uh, US, US, US East One is like where the vast majority of their servers are. And Google has stuff in that same general area. And uh, I think Microsoft does as well. So wouldn't surprise me like, oh, look, the beefiest servers are there. And so if you're sitting there in like Boston or New York, you're probably doing totally fine. Whereas if you're over here on the West Coast, you're dealing with like, you know, the, the next tier of services and servers. In the other, the well, other region, uh, the alternative and, region, and also at, if you're up at five o'clock in the morning on the East Coast, you're only competing against the other people on the East Coast who are also up at five o'clock in the morning. If you're up at five o'clock on the West Coast, you're also competing against the people who are waking up at eight o'clock on the East Coast and trying to do the same thing as you are three hours. Well, later. in this case, they open everywhere, right? The store doesn't open in your local region; it opens mm. period oh, okay. At, okay. at you know five a.m. Pacific. And I'm assuming they do that so that it's somehow more fair to the East Coasters, even though it's like, yeah, I'm glad you were able to, like, you know, have breakfast, walk your dog, maybe go for a run, shower, and then come back and casually purchase a phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whereas for the, the West Coasters, we have to wake up stupidly early. Just do the dang thing at 8 a.m. Pacific. It's the same thing you would be giving the East Coasters, except for them, maybe they just take an early lunch, right? I'm sure there's a reason they open it this this way because let's include if we make it very American centric, if let's include what happens to Alaska and what happens to Hawaii, even worse for them, right? It's bananas. There's no good reason to do it at 5 a.m. Pacific. 
they used to do it at midnight, which meant we had to get up at 3 a.m., if you remember, right? Remember the, remember you had to get up at 3 a.m. to order the watch? I, I did that at uh, Le Chateau Montebello over there, in, halfway in between Ottawa and Montreal in Canada. Yes, because it was on the, the East Coast time. <laughs> I was, I was, so, uh, so Reuters just put out an article, actually 11 hours ago. Apple pushes iPhone 15 Pro Max deliveries to November in sign of strong orders. So maybe maybe there were a lot of orders. I mean, maybe, but also, you know, maybe supply chain problems. So, you know, maybe that's why the orders, like, it's really hard to tell from the info we have here. Uh, certainly the data you're giving there is is more evidence towards my suspicion and, and vague speculation that maybe this was selling really well. Um, but, you know, sellouts. Well, good. As a shareholder, I hope it does. Oh, it does sell very well. Yeah, yeah. Sellout isn't that interesting to me until they tell us the quantity. And we can say, is this selling out at a, you know, lower, the same, or higher number of units sold than last year? All right, kids, I guess I can let you guys go back to sleep. Already. Or take off or whatever. Yep. Right? Talk to you guys in the future. All right. Until next time. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.